CCR number 106 for April 7th, 2010. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by the Panthers Outlaw Forum, the place for uncensored, no-holds-barred Carolina Panthers discussion. If you're ready for an honest discussion of your Carolina Panthers, visit the Panthers Outlaw Forum at sillyangel.proboards.com. I'm ready to go, baby. D'Angelo Williams, left side crowded, goes up the middle, 50-yard line, he's in the clear, this has got potential, 40, 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Still on a mission, though, still on a mission. We're going to find out how far we can push ourselves. Jake DeLong going, Steve Smith left side, caught for a touchdown! Keep the dream alive, baby! Welcome to the show dedicated to covering the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode, Darren Gant of the Charlotte Observer and the Rock Hill Herald is back to give us the inside scoop. And Nick Gilman is here to provide the fans' perspective. Now, bubble your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. We have free agent signings galore. Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Players are signing left and right. Unfortunately, those are former Panthers all finding work elsewhere. Damian Lewis, our former starting defensive tackle, has found work in New England. The details of his deal with the Patriots are unclear. The National Football Post is reporting that Niall Diggs will be a Ram. According to sources, the deal will run for two years. Also, the Lions upgraded their special teams by signing Dante Wesley. Detroit handed him a two-year deal to reunite with his old special teams coach, Danny Crossman. Meanwhile, thanks to the recent trade of Donovan McNabb to the Redskins, the odd man out in the capital is going to be Jason Campbell. Reports have indicated that there are several teams interested in his services, including our Panthers. In other news, Jonathan Stewart is healing and may be slowed this spring. It feels like he should be ready for training camp. The surgery he had back in January to remove a bone spur from his ankle was necessary to relieve pain, which he played through last season. It appears, luckily, that his rehab is going well and that he's going to be back in plenty of time to pick up where he left off last season. You know, it's that time of the year for all of us to look ahead with questions in mind, and we hope optimism and realism rather than pessimism. Are the fans feeling that way? Hello. 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 Who's that? It's time for Panthers fans to sound off. Hey, John, it's GK again. Two things. I bet Marty Herney will make an aggressive move on draft day. It may be expensive. I'm not saying it'll be a good move, but I'm looking for him to make a big move. The second thing, I bet Dwayne Jarrett will be successful this year. I have high expectations for this new wide receivers coach, and I really think he's going to make a big difference. Keep up the great show, John. GK, as always, thanks, man. We appreciate the call, and thanks for your thoughts. It's great to know there are listeners out there like yourself who like what we do. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the team, give us a call on the CCR hotline at 206 350 9673. Leave us a message. Now, maybe you agree with GK. Maybe you disagree. Either way, call us and share your opinions. 
The number is 206-350-9673. We'll play your comments right here on the show. It's time once again for the Panther Preview. Joining us, as always, it's Mr. Nick Yeoman. Yeoman, what's up? John, how you doing? Another week, and we are still rolling. Yeah, we're, we're getting some news. It's not a lot. We're still all trying to survive until the 22nd through the 24th, the big three-day event in New York and the draft and blah, 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 and then a, you know maybe a mini camp after, but... There's some news rolling in. Let's start with this. The team continues to be so active in free agency. We just picked ourselves up. Are you ready for this? We picked ourselves up a kickoff specialist. His name is Todd Carter. Whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't we already have a kickoff specialist? Well, we we did. He was from Australia, and he's no longer with us. Yeah, that's, that's a little interesting, and, and so is this signing. Uh, it makes you wonder, because Todd Carter, I mean, he played for the Lakers. No, he, he wasn't a teammate with Kobe Bryant, but played out there in Grand Valley State. And, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, he, three years as a place kicker and four years as a kickoff specialist. And the thing was, if you had one in Reese Lloyd, so why do you go out and get this guy? Why did you let Reese Lloyd go? It kind of looked like maybe you were going to focus on, you know, sure enough, some other positions and saving that roster spot. But sure enough, they uh, they get a younger guy and, I guess, save a couple, you know, $100,000. But it makes you wonder. It really makes you wonder the future of John Casey by bringing in a young kicker. And, and uh, hopefully this guy can, can boom him through the end zone like Lloyd could. Yeah, and we'll see if there's an open competition there at, at the, the place kicker position sometime during training camp. That could happen. And, um, well, speaking of the older, well, now the former older players, guys we've seen around these parts for quite a while, there's Brad Hoover making his statement last week, and some people are going to say, well, maybe that's, you know, sour grapes, and maybe Brad was just mad when he walked out the door. His exit interview was perhaps not so friendly but brad making the statement that boy the panthers are setting themselves up for failure john beeson this week saying eh, really not so you know you show up around here you, you walk in to do your workouts and everything you look around like who are you and what's this kid doing and you know he thinks it's more like spring ball in, in college again so maybe it's not necessarily who's right and who's wrong we'll find out come september but I mean, what what is the deal? I mean, is is Hoover just mad? Is Beeson just taking, you know, is this just a company line for him? I'm not sure that I quite get it. No, I, I think it is the company line. I think that's exactly what John Beeson's doing here. He, he can't sit here and be honest with you and say, boy, uh, the moves that this team has done in the offseason uh, don't look too well. And Brad Hoover, now that he's on the outs, he can. He can give you a, a true, honest opinion. Is it sour grapes? I don't know. I never thought Brad Hoover was type of the, that type of player that was going to have sour grapes. I think he's just speaking his mind and and, uh, and letting everybody know that, you know what, I, I don't think this team has made some very good decisions in the offseason, and I tend to agree with them. I mean, I, you can't sit here and convince me that, that the Panthers are a better team right now than they were at the end of the season and the way they were playing. So uh, I think Brad Hoover makes a good point. And, and, and of course, John Beeson, you know, he's going to be excited. He's eyeing a payday coming up. He's seeing, you know, he's seeing the Panthers let some veteran players go and he knows that you know they're going to invest some money in him soon enough um but i do i think he's playing the company line and, and i think there's a there's a lot that you can uh, read into what brad Hoover had to say well one thing we have had to worry about with this team we've been kind of 
well, let's, I would say shallow, but let's just say we're not deep at certain positions. Some positions we are. Lucky for us, we've been deep at running back. Uh, after winding up with running backs in, in the first round of two different drafts with D'Angelo Williams and then a couple years later with Jonathan Stewart, yeah, we've got maybe an embarrassment of riches. And Jonathan Stewart comes up with a couple of injuries but plays through it last year come to find out that wasn't necessarily his Achilles it was a bone spur that was up against his Achilles and they said it was rubbing it and it was pretty painful he played through it but now he's saying you know he got got his surgery done back in January starting to feel a little better because you know like I had to have this done because it was bothering me but it sounds like he's going to be back a little healthier maybe he'll get in some more practice time again though I think who cares if he practices? I don't care if he practices at all if he puts up another 1,100-yard season. I don't see necessarily why practice matters anymore. It's just practice. No, no, no you're, right. you're absolutely right. I mean, a guy went out there, and, and hey, he's only going to be in his third year in the league, and, and maybe he hasn't earned that right to you know be able to sit out practice. But if he's banged up and he sits out practices and he goes out and he runs over teams, especially like he did at the end of the season, um, then I could care less if he practices or not. But this was something, it was something Jonathan Stewart needed to take care of. You know, it was bothering him at the, in the pre, preseason, you know, during training camp and all through the season. And it's just good to see that he gets it taken care of. And, and if he can play pain-free next year, uh, who knows what he's capable of. I mean, shoot, John, I don't think you and I could go out there on for 1,100 yards, you know, with the bone spurs or the Achilles injury. So, uh, Jonathan Stewart can get himself healthy. Uh, Lord knows what he's capable of next year. And he's become the poster child for actually supporting Allen Iverson's argument. You know, it was practice, man. It was practice. I mean, it wasn't a game. You know, it's practice. So, he's he's actually, he's holding up Allen's end of the argument, I think. He's uh, proof positive, but... Uh, a couple of guys we're not going to have back. Our players are scattering all over the NFL now. We've seen a couple already signed. Jake's in Cleveland, for goodness sake. Well, three of our guys just signed. One is a rumor, we think. Damian Lewis is now with the hated New England Patriots. Dante Wesley is now with the Lions, being reunited with his old special teams coach, Danny Crossman. Sort of like they didn't miss a beat. Then Niall Diggs, we think going to St. Louis. We think. It's a rumor. We think. But these three guys, all gone. I, I, I think it leaves a hole, especially on special teams. Uh, defensive, well, it leaves three holes. So, <laughs> our guys are going everywhere but here, it seems. Yeah, and, and the one that really gets me is the Damian Lewis, you know, signing with New England because I think, you know, most Panthers fans, you take a little quick straw poll, I think quite a few of them were upset that the Panthers let Damian Lewis go. I mean, he's not a guy that goes out and fills up the stack column, but really a good, productive, hardworking defensive tackle that I also think was was probably a pretty good locker room guy. I really do think Damian Lewis was the type of guy that, that really uh, brings up morale. And, and wouldn't you know it, I mean, those savvy son-of-a-guns in New England go out and find them and, and, and pick them up. And I'll tell you, Bill Belichick's going to find a way to use them and, and get the most out of them. So that was a tough one. And, and you say, you know, you mentioned Dante Wesley. I think that's exactly, you know, to reunite, reunite with, uh, with Crossman up there in Detroit. He sees that, hey, there's a potential job out there. And I think that was certainly the why, you know, that one went through. And then we'll see with Nal Diggs. It looks like he's pretty close with St. Louis. And I think Nal Diggs is kind of one of those players probably clinging on to, to, to every last opportunity that he has to play in the NFL. But, well, that Damian Lewis one, that one really gets to you because you hate to lose guys to New England. 
You got that right. And then there's even a rumor that Damian Lewis will wind up at defensive end in New England. We just don't know how that's going to work out. But uh, we'll take a quick break here. Uh, there are actually some players to talk about that, well, that are rumored to come here, some things that could be happening. We'll come back and talk about that in just a bit. But before we take the break, I want to remind you once again, and yes, I'll apologize. I'll apologize because that was my fault. I didn't send out a newsletter last week, you know, the holiday and everything. We will get out a newsletter this week. So if you get yourself signed up, go to catcraveradio.com, top of the page, newsletter, fill out the form, bada bing, bada boom, you're signed up for the newsletter, and we promise we'll get that sent out. This weekend is not Easter, and we will send one out. But coming up, we'll talk about the other stuff, like I said, and Darren Gantz coming up in just a bit. Help us make this the best Panther show on the planet. Send us your feedback to catcraveradio at gmail.com. That's catcraveradio at gmail.com. We'll have more CCR in a moment. All-star fans, all-star content. Fansided.com is a sports network where diehard fans dish out nonstop sports news and views. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Fandom has no off-season, and neither do we. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Fansided.com, the number one pro sports blog network on the internet. We are really into social media. Join up with us on Facebook by searching for Cat Crave Radio. And, yes, we'll add you as a friend. Again, you'll find us on Facebook by searching for Cat Crave Radio. The Double CR continues. And welcome back to part two. Yes, part two of the Panther preview. Still with me, Mr. Nick Yeoman. Yeoman, we've lost guys, man. They're going all over the place. It's like a reassignment around here. And um, now it's time to fill some spots. And we'll start with, with this. There are two rumors out there floating around. One is... Well, actually, they're both pretty big rumors. The first one is the fallout from the Donovan McNabb deal, where the Eagles just sent him off to Washington, and Jason Campbell is now going to be more than likely the odd man out with the Redskins. So, the rumor, Jason Campbell coming to Charlotte, in favor, not in favor, yay, nay, how do you feel about this? I mean, to be honest with you, here's the thing, John. When you got a quarterback situation like the Panthers do where it's not set in stone, you're just kind of putting some blind faith, sort of blind faith in Matt Moore. Every, you know, quarterback that becomes available, there's going to be a rumor out there. I mean, there's the rumors with Mark Bolger now when he was released by St. Louis. Does he land in Charlotte? And and I even heard, uh, you know, read on some message boards where they said, okay, if Jason Campbell signs with the Jaguars because they're showing interest, then what's the future of David Garrard and could he land in Carolina? So, you know, you're going to hear the rumors. They're all out there. I still think it's a position the Panthers have to – it's a final a young long-term situation answer. If it's Matt Moore, if it's somebody in the in the draft, that's the way they got to go. And, and Jason Campbell's a guy – I don't know if you want to put a lot of faith in building with him. I mean, he, does he had to learn some uh, quite a few offenses in Washington. Yeah, has he had the best supporting cast? No, but uh, I'd take a pass on Jason Campbell. No, thank you. Yeah, and plus, you know, you may have to give up a draft pick to get him. If you want somebody with some experience, I just stick with McCown if he's healthy enough after, you know, getting himself hurt last year. But if he's healthy, McCown can be your your, your backup, and you get him back for basically nothing. If not, 
well, then maybe you start looking around. But I, I don't know. I'm not. I definitely wouldn't give up anything, especially not my draft picks, which are very, very valuable, and they've only got a few anyway. Then you've got another big rumor floating around. Julius Peppers landed in Chicago, and now they're guys who apparently won't be back in the Windy City. One is Adewale Agunlie. We've talked about him. Now another dude has hit the street, and that's Alex Brown. They just released him. So another defensive end who is, you know, out on his rear end without a job. He's going to find work. Rumored to be coming to Charlotte. Uh, your thoughts about Mr. Brown? No, I, I think this is certainly a player the Panthers need to uh, to think, you know, pretty highly of and, and really need to look into this. I know that he's uh, he's looking at quite a few NFC South teams. I've heard New Orleans. I've heard uh, Tampa Bay as well. So he's an, he's an interesting prospect, a good player. I, I wouldn't throw him. He's kind of like a Goonley. I, I know nobody thinks highly of him as far as making Pro Bowls, but I think he's a good player. We could certainly fit in a nice rotation. I think the Panthers have to look at that. I, you know, signs kind of point that the organization was kind of content with, okay, we're not going to go out and grab a free agent, but we're going to re-sign Tyler Brayton, which is nice. But I still don't know if you have, you know, two really solid defensive ends that you can start and really rely on. So I think Alex Brown is someone the Panthers certainly need to look for. And, and you know what? If the price is right, I mean, they're not – obviously the Panthers aren't going out and spending a lot of money. But if the price is right, I think that would be a solid pickup. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I think the more depth you have, the better. I mean, the Giants won a Super Bowl by having a lot of – you know, solid, maybe not spectacular, but solid defensive linemen, and maybe we could do the same, have a big rotation, you know, with Brayton, Johnson, Brown, and then you could throw in a guy like an Everett Brown and an Alex Brown. You still have all these guys rotating in and out. I'm, I'm with you there. I think the more talent you've got, the better. And then, speaking of talent, the draft coming up, it's uh, that three-day event now, April 22nd to 24th, right? So, well, Pat Yasinskis used to write for The Observer down in Charlotte. What does the guy do? But he, he puts together a mock draft over on ESPN. I question him on this, but here's who he has falling to the Panthers. Where are we, 48 in the draft with our first pick? Well, he's got Terrence Cody, defensive end out of Alabama, falling that far to us. I Well, um, I'll, I'll get your, your feedback on this first. What do you think about Mr. Yasinskis? And uh, Mr. Cody falling to the Panthers. Yeah, well, when I when I heard his his mock draft, I kind of had the same reaction that you did. Like, uh, what? I mean, was I, the defensive tackle position for the Panthers? It's not solid. I mean, uh, you know, we're not going to joke and, and try to make you think that the defensive tackle spot is solid for this team. But I just think there are more pressing needs at defensive end, and especially a wide receiver uh, for the Panthers to spend their their first pick on a guy like Terrence Cody. That, you know, is he a monster? Can he take over games? Best case scenario, you and I have talked, he could be like a Chris Jenkins, but he also, you know, he's got the off-the-field stuff. He, when he came to Alabama, before he came to Alabama, he was ruled academically ineligible in like Miami and, and a couple other schools that he applied for. So uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, he, he's a monster defensive tackle. Kits the scales at 380. Lord knows what he's at now after a couple meals or five or six meals. I don't know how many he eats a day. But Lord knows where he's at. But uh, I don't see the Panthers. I don't think they're looking at a guy like Terrence Cody. And I don't even know if he'll be there when they pick there at 48. If they wind up somehow anyway with him, if he does wind up with the team, they're going to have to, I don't know, they're going to truck in more food to Spartanburg because between him and Jeff Otah, the buffet is going to wind up very, very, very empty and in a hurry. I, I, I don't know. That's that's a tough one right there. But um, the cooks are going to be I, I, just, I look at it this way. I hope they kept Chemo's helmet because that may be the only <laughs> thing that fits them. 
you got that right. I mean, those those poor cooks. I mean, they they work hard enough as it is. And Terrence Cody added to that. Wow. But uh, speaking of youngsters coming in in the draft, we hope we you know we are able to do a few things. You know, fill some positions. One is quarterback. Well, apparently there's a report that the team will be, either has or will be holding private workouts with um, the likes of Tony Pike out of Cincinnati and Dan LaFever out of uh, Central Michigan. And even the story that the three-headed monster of Herney, Fox, and Jeff Davidson are meeting with any and all of these middle-round to late-round quarterbacks so it sounds like they're really doing their due diligence. Somebody, it sounds to me like, is planning to take a quarterback here. Yeah, no, it really does. This is this is interesting because obviously uh, the quarterback position, like the defensive tackle that we just talked about, I mean, is it a need? Yes, but is it a pressing need? I don't really think so. And and with this quarterback, this quarterback class coming out is really interesting because I think everybody thinks, all right, Sam Bradford, the best of the bunch. But then where do you then where do you go? I mean, Jimmy Clausen's probably number two, and then there's quite a bit of a fall off. And I just think this team is making sure that they leave no stone unturned. I've heard that that Colt McCoy is going to be meeting with the Panthers, and and uh, and hey, like you mentioned, if the, if the big monster, the three headed monster of Fox, Ernie, and Davidson are are going to make sure that they meet with all these guys, they want to make sure that they get it right. I would hope though that if the Panthers do, you know, look to draft the quarterback in this year's draft, that they don't take one before the fourth round. I just think you got to spend those first couple picks on uh, on the more pressing needs at wide receiver and defensive end. But hey, they're looking to the future, and then just in case Matt Moore doesn't work out, maybe you got a young guy that you could bring in uh, that you know gets a little disrespected in the draft, falls a little bit. You can pick and scoop somebody up, let them learn, and, and maybe that could be your guy for the future. Well, earlier we heard from GK. He called, left us a message, and we had him in the sound off. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a prediction here. I'll, I'll give you your chance, uh, Nick. You can, you can tell us what either you can agree or disagree with me, I guess, or make your own bold prediction. But I, I want to give out the phone number again because I know somebody may be out there going, you know, John, you're full of it. But here's the number: two zero six three five zero nine six seven three. Uh, there, there's the number. I'll repeat it in a minute. Here's my prediction. And and Nick, you and I, before we start recording this every week, we're always talking. We might talk about basketball. We might talk about any sport out there. It could be talking about Tiger Woods. And we do talk about the Panthers. Well, I'd made a prediction to you earlier. I'll repeat it now. I think that there's one player in this draft who, let's say, let's say if he falls into the 24 to 28 range I think Marty Herney is picking up the phone if he's making a deal this year it will be next year's first and this year may be giving up who knows maybe his second maybe a third or a fourth I'm guessing third fourth in that range to move up to get here's my prediction to get Golden Tate that's my prediction I think he makes the move and he comes up to either get a Golden Tate or somebody who is a Honest to goodness, believe it or not, thank you, Lord, a playmaker. What do you think? No, I like it. I, I, have, I absolutely love it. And, and I just think if you can bring in a playmaker like a Golden Tate um, and match him up with Steve Smith, that, that helps your young quarterback like Matt Moore. It helps him so much. He, he doesn't have to go make those tough throws. He can just dump it off in the slot, you know, on a quick little curl route and out route to one of these, you know, quick little wide receivers like a Golden Tate, and they are a threat to take it to the house 
every single time they touch the ball. I, I would love it. You know, I hate the idea of giving up those first-round draft picks again. And, uh, boy, it always makes the draft interesting looking ahead. Uh, but, yeah, if a guy like Golden Tate, a pure playmaker, you know, speed, athleticism, if he falls – and, uh, and you know what, you can find a team that, that can bite on it and, and is willing to take your first-round pick from a year from now, and you can grab a guy like that, boy, I, I think you have to. I think you have to pull the trigger. I don't know if it'll happen, but uh, I like your thinking there, John. And I, I think he's going to make a bold move, and I think most people are starting, after watching him the last two or three years, I think we've, kind of, we've, we've become a little accustomed to it and, and almost bored if he doesn't do it, and I haven't, let's just say I haven't not seen him do it. It's like every year... Marty's going to make a deal. So when is it going to happen? And two years in a row, you know, it involved a first-round pick. So we'll see if he does it again. I, I Honestly, I think he's going to make a deal, and I think he wants a playmaker. I think he's kind of desperate for it now. So we'll yeah, see. You know what? As boring as this, uh, this, you know, free agency period has been for the Panthers, as little noise as they're making, maybe they are. Maybe they're waiting for that draft to make the big splash. Let's hope they are. But, again, if you do agree or you disagree – I want to hear from you. Nick wants to hear from you. Tell us what you think. We don't care how you say it. Just tell us what you think. 206-350-9673, and we'll uh, we'll put your thoughts on the show next week. But once again, Mr. Yeoman, we appreciate you being with us, sir, and uh, maybe another week of big news. We never know. Yeah, hey, I'm open, John. I know the, uh, the schedule probably going to be released here in the next week or two, and, of course, you got the draft. My thing is, is just make sure down there in North Carolina, don't let those Duke fans get to you, all right? Uh, we'll try not to. We'll try. <laughs> all right, Nick, we appreciate you being with us again, man. Hey, no problem. Thanks, John. We got nominated for an award once. Okay, we didn't win, but it was an honor just to be nominated. We are CCR. <laughs> Nurse, set up an IV. And you, her boyfriend, you were the driver? Yes, doctor, but I didn't mean to hurt her. I only had a few drinks. I was just buzzed. Just buzzed? Oh, then your girlfriend is fine. Hey, sweetie. I feel great. She's really okay? What, are you kidding? No. Not really. Nurse, get me a suture kit. Stat. Buzzed driving. Maybe we should stop acting like it's no big deal. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. The CCR hotline stands ready for you at 206-350-9673. Call us and leave a message. No rules, just your opinions. Call the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. Now, back to more CCR. We're joined now by Darren Gant of the Charlotte Observer and the Rock Hill Herald. Mr. Gant, welcome back to the show. As always, good to have you. Yeah, good to be here, John. How are you, buddy? Doing great until I read, well, actually, I read what you wrote. Uh, Jason Campbell, really? Maybe. I I don't know. I, I think there's certainly, you know, we've talked about this before. I, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, after cutting Jake DeLome, they're going to add somebody to that quarterback depth chart. I mean, obviously, right now, the only two that got on the roster are Matt Moore and Hunter Cantwell, and, and they're going to have to supplement that with bodies. 
at least. But I, I think they want somebody, and I've had people in the building tell me that they want somebody to push Matt. They want somebody to challenge him for that job. So it's not just a given that Matt Moore is a starting quarterback. And, and I think when you look, I mean, there are only so many guys who are out there who are going to be a legitimate challenge for Matt. So I, I think Campbell's certainly one of those guys. I've always, I've always thought Jason Campbell's a lot better than anybody's given him credit for. And I think in a lot of ways, Jason's a victim of circumstance. He's been up there in Washington with an awful lot of different play callers, with an awful lot of different personnel around him, and never a good offensive line. I mean, I think when Jason Campbell lays his head on a pillow at night and goes to sleep, he has dreams about Jordan Gross and Jeff Ota and Ryan Khalil and, and Travell Wharton and those guys. So, you know, I, I think... The thing I keep coming back on with Jason Campbell is he comes out of Auburn, he's a first-round pick for a reason. He's got a big arm. He's a smart guy. He's generally made good decisions with the ball. But when he's been in Washington, he's never had a lot of time to let things develop. Everything's been hurried. I think, you know, you can you can certainly draw a line between his big interception years and, and when he's had the least protection. I mean, if you look at some of the guys, you know, that have been on the offensive line blocking for him lately. I mean, when they were here, they put Mike Williams at tackle, and he hadn't played in the NFL in about three and a half years at that point. So, you know, at one point, you know, they were playing DeAnthony Batiste, who was an old camp hand here, you know, practice squad guy type, and he was a starting tackle for him at times. So, I mean, Campbell's been, you know, it's almost like a David Carr, Chris Winkie situation where it's unfair to pin it all on him. But I just think the guy's got a world of talent. I think he's a smart kid, a mature kid. And I think if he was given an opportunity with some of the with some of the gifts Matt Moore's been able to enjoy, you know, in December 07 and 09, then I, then I think he could have probably put up similar results. Well, there's a lot that we'll be hearing about the team either attending or not attending private workouts, holding private workouts for players leading up to the draft. And there's that one guy, and I know you as an App State alum, I'm going to give you a chance now for Armani Edwards. You can tell us, should we all be believers? I mean, if so, tell us why. Well, I mean, I just I don't know if Armani Edwards is going to get the opportunity to play quarterback in the NFL, but the thing I feel pretty confident about, it, having watched him play for four years as a fan and then talking to pro scouts I know and trust about him, is that Armani Edwards is a football player. And that five years from now, barring injury, he's still going to be playing in the NFL. Now, is that as a receiver only? Perhaps. Is that as a return man, a Josh Cribbs type? Possibly. But, you know, the other thing is, and I keep talking to, to scouts about it, I was talking to one today who said that, you know, if you didn't know better, if you just listed all the evidence, won a national championship, great leader, terrific intangibles guy, runs the ball well, you, people would assume you're talking about Tim Tebow. But if you plug Armani Edwards' name in all those categories, you know, it fits as well. Plus, Armani throws the ball a lot better than Tim Tebow ever has. And I think the stats have borne that out. And I just think if, you know, the fact is he's the size he is, but if Armani Edwards was six foot two, we'd be talking about him as the probably the second quarterback in this draft, maybe behind only Sam Bradford. I mean, really the size is the only knock. And if he was six foot two, six foot three, people would be tripping over themselves to get to him because you can't even say you can't even use the old level of competition because Joe Flacco kind of turned that out. I mean, he came out of the same level. As a matter of fact, Joe Flacco lost to Armani in a championship game, yeah, and he's done pretty well for himself up there in Baltimore. And it's the same thing. I mean. 
so much of it, whether it's Jason Campbell, Armani Edwards, or whoever, a lot of it's about the situation. You know, I think the key for Armani is going to be to get with a, a creative offensive staff, somebody who is willing to look at what he can do instead of limit him by what he can. I think, you know, you, you play him as a slot receiver, you put him in motion. If it's a Wildcat team, I keep going back to Miami. I mean, if you've got Ronnie Brown taking a Wildcat snap from center and Armani Edwards is a slot receiver and he goes in motion, then you can't know where the football's going. And it's going to be hard to defend because it could be going anywhere because you've got just multiple options. And I think that's what he brings more than anything else. One thing I have found really interesting lately, I know that when the players, if they're in camp for anything, if they're at any official function, when they talk, it's always... You know, it, it sounds very typical. It's uh, it's a little bit like Bull Durham. You know, they've got to remember their cliches, you know, and they keep throwing those out. Well, John Beeson is saying that he's not necessarily disagreeing with the organization about a youth movement. But just prior to that, you had Brad Hoover, who now is no longer with the team, saying that, you know, these guys are setting themselves up for failure. Somebody's right and somebody's wrong, and maybe the truth lies somewhere in between. But don't you find it interesting that now one former Panther is saying negative things while one guy who's still with the team is saying, oh, this is a fresh start? Well, I mean, there's there's certainly an opportunity to, to use the old, well, what's he going to say line. I mean, the guys who are cut always thinks that they're always going to think the team's worse off without them. And guys who are still there are going to think, regardless who's next to them, that they're going to be okay. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. The one thing I can tell you, I talked to John last week for about 30 minutes, and the thing that I respect the most about John Beeson is he's completely honest. And and John is not going to say – I mean, John stood up in training camp last year and said, I sure do wish I had veteran defensive tackles in front of me. And that was a point when they weren't going out and making moves for guys, and it came, and it came to be one of their biggest weaknesses and there for a while. So, I mean, John's not afraid to rock the boat a little bit. I mean, he was not afraid to say things about Julius Peppers when everybody else was caught on the guy for eight years at a time. And so, I mean, John's never been the most politically correct guy, but I can tell you for a fact that when John Beeson says he kind of likes the vibe, of having a younger team, he means that. I mean, he talked at length. I mean, there's there's only so much you can fit in a newspaper, but John talked at length about how excited he is about Everett Brown's development, how excited he is about seeing a Dan Connor or a James Anderson, whoever wins the competition out there on the field with him and Thomas Davis. I mean, he, he is not just spouting a company line when he says he's fired up about this because, you know, I think he made a good, I think he made a good analogy it is like spring practice in college. You are looking at new guys, and there's going to be a lot of freshmen and sophomores out there on that field, and they're going to have to make plays, whether it's Everett Brown, Charles Johnson, you know, Dan Connor, whoever it happens to be. There's opportunities for young guys to make plays here. And I think, you know, as a leader of the team, John's kind of excited about that and knows he has a responsibility to sort of shepherd some of those guys along. And one guy's been with us a few years now, and he's actually looked really good at the end of the season as, you know, for my money, I, I'm going to put money down. I would say that he was as good as any player at his position in the NFL, and that's Jonathan Stewart, despite the fact that he really didn't practice all season, not a whole lot anyway. Uh, through training camp, I can't recall seeing him actually in pads and on the field more than 20% of the time. But now he's saying, well, you know, I just want to be pain-free. I want to be ready for the season. Is his health a concern, or do you think it's just more of the same, I'll miss practice, but then I'll show up in pads on Sunday? 
Well, I think last year, the, what we found out when Charles talked to uh, John the other day was that he wasn't well, and they were afraid he wasn't going to get through the, the entire season, and I think they felt lucky to get through the season without him going on injured reserve. I mean, he had what John Jonathan had with bone spurs pressing on that Achilles, and it was a daily maintenance thing. I mean, you said 20% of the time in training camp. That's way high. Yeah. I mean, I remember doing the count, and from – you know, counting mini camp OTAs and training camp, and then the off season practices back at the stadium after camp broke. From the end of the previous year to opening day, he practiced eight times in full pads. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And while it's tempting to say, hey, here's a guy who's injury prone, here's a guy who's always nursing something, the reality is Jonathan Stewart has not missed a football game. Since he's been here, he missed very few when he was at Oregon. And you hear a lot of the same stuff from people up there is that, you know, this is a tough guy, a guy who's willing to put his body on the line, willing to go out there. You know, yeah, he may get dinged up, but, I mean, hey, it's a production business, and he's produced. I mean, well, on Sunday afternoons when it's mattered, Dawson Stewart's been out there. And, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think, you know, there have been a lot of rumors this offseason about D'Angelo and are they going to trade him to San Diego for this draft pick or that. You know, I think that's reasonable for people to think simply because – I think Jonathan's better than D'Angelo at this point. I, I think in the same amount of carries, their numbers are very similar. I think if D'Angelo had a bigger share, I think you know it's fair to believe that he would put up bigger numbers. And that's nothing against D'Angelo Williams. I think what we're talking about is two of the top ten backs in the NFL easily. And they're here on the same roster. And the good news for these guys is they get along. You know, they, there's not a jealousy between them. There's not a internal struggle between them over who's going to get paid, who's going to get most of the carries. These two cats are friends. They get along. They go fishing together and stuff like that and sing karaoke or whatever goofy stuff <laughs> D'Angelo's got them up for, you know, on whatever day it happens to be. So, I mean, I, I think that's a, a very fortunate situation for the Panthers. Yeah, if they're not doing pants on the ground, they're doing karaoke or having a party. So, it, yeah. it, you know, hitting YouTube again. But. You know, it's funny. When it's you, good. It's good to be Jonathan and D'Angelo. Those yes, two. Those two kids got. Uh, they've got something going here. And the funny thing is, if you went back to the two drafts where the the team actually picked either D'Angelo Williams or Jonathan Stewart, I doubt very seriously anybody would have predicted either pick, especially Jonathan Stewart, where they're making the deal to get Ota and Stewart both in the same first round of I, that draft. But the the thing is, every year. From January, it usually gets started in January slowly and then really picks up at the tail end of February. There are mock drafts out the wazoo. And sure. now Pat Yasinskis, uh, a guy who I'm sure you know well who worked here in Charlotte for a long time, now he's put a mock draft together. And oddly enough, he's got us taking Terrence Cody, who I don't think is going to fall that far. I mean, does it... Does it kind of, I mean, for me, it, it, it actually makes me laugh to see all of the mock drafts that are out there and how none ever agree with each other and nobody ever gets it right. It just seems well, strange. It, it, except when they all agree that the Carolina Panthers are going to take a tight end in the first round. Right. And everybody knows that if, if you want to play tight end for the Carolina Panthers, you better be a fifth-round pick whether it's King or, or Rosario or your boy Gary Barnage, you know, unless you're fifth rounder, it need not apply because that's where they find their tight ends. I mean, that's been the interesting thing to me. Cody's an interesting name. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, given the problems they had finding enough defensive tackles last year, I think that makes some degree of sense. I'm not really sure where he's going to fall because the one thing that always happens on draft day, you'll see a run on a specific position, and when a team misses out on this 
pass rusher they want or this receiver they want or this cornerback they want, you'll see a run. And the fourth, fifth, sixth guys at a position go higher than maybe they should have. Yeah, I think Cody could fall victim to some of that maybe because he is a very one-dimensional player. He's going to be a two-down player. Now, he could be the next big, fat Grady Jackson who 15 years from now is still playing first and second down, you know, when he's 35, 36, 37 years old. I think Cody's got one of those unique bodies that there are just only so many people who look like him. And he's going to – I think he's going to be a good player for somebody down the stretch. I don't know that they can afford to go that route. And, and, And I'll say this. I think they are closer to having a serviceable rotation of defensive tackles than they are a serviceable rotation of defensive ends. And that's even with Tyler Brayton back because what this team lacks in the absence of Julius Peppers is pass rush, and you don't get that from the middle. You know, Corby Irvin's a guy with some potential as a rusher inside. is kind of a young uh, possibility of maybe turning into a Damian Lewis. But, you know, I, I think Lewis Leonard's going to be a pretty good nose for this team. And I think Tank Tyler's a guy who's certainly going to have the first crack at being the starter next to him. And the biggest question to me is where are you going to get the rest of those sacks from? You know, because Julius has made up such a huge share of that over the years. You're not going to fill it all with Everett Brown. You're not going to fill it all with Charles Johnson and certainly not Tyler Brayton. So I, I think they, the need is much greater at the end. Uh, I mean, if it was me and I was just talking to Scout about this right before you called, um, I think the big needs in my mind are defensive end and wide receiver. I mean, that seems obvious. They've been looking for a secondary or a second receiver for eight years now. But I think it's just reached that have-to-have stage. And I think you've got to have a young guy who's, who's going to be the next Steve whenever Steve's not the old Steve anymore. Yeah, and we, we can all dream about Golden Tate. Maybe he'll fall that far. We can dream. It probably yeah, and, and it could be any of those guys. I mean, yeah. it could be the kid from Georgia Tech. It could be anybody because and part of the reason, that, you know, I've gone through in past years doing mock drafts seven or eight at a time over the course of a spring. Part of the reason I've held off doing that this year is because I have no confidence that the Carolina Panthers' first pick is going to be 48th overall. And I think if these guys have any hallmark come draft time, it's that they're looking to move. Marty and John have done 11 draft day trades in eight seasons. You know, they've gone up and gotten guys like Jeff Otai. They've gone back and gotten guys like John Beeson and Chris Gamble. They've worked it both ways. They just Marty describes making trades as part of the fun of this deal. So I, I fully expect, you know, I don't know who they're taking, but I would be willing to bet that they're not taking their first player at 48. Yeah, I'd, I'd lay. I think that's the smart money. I agree with you on that. And boy, April, those three days—that's going to be some fun. And uh, here we we're going to see it again. And yeah. you know, and, and I mean, it's tough because yeah. that first Thursday night, the first round of the draft, the Carolina Panthers aren't involved. They have no first round pick, and it's my wife's birthday. But you know what? I'm going to be in the bunker <laughs> at Bank of America Stadium because you can't count on these guys not leaving that day with a pick or player. Exactly. It's going to be interesting. I can't wait. But again, Darren, we appreciate you uh, taking time to talk to us. Um, I, I know that it seems like summer's gotten here. We should be in, well, I think we should be in Spartanburg with this kind of heat. But, you know, we'll take what we can get, right? It, it feels like it. If we can just get this pollen beat down out of the sky, maybe I can get my son outside for more than 15 minutes at a time. That's the big thing right now. Amen to that. Well, again, Darren, thanks for taking time to talk to us. Pleasure to have you back. And Anytime, John. We'll talk to you soon. As always, I want to thank Nick Yeoman for being such a big part of the show. Nick, you know we say this every week, but it's a fact. The show would just not be the same without you or the awesomeness you bring to the show. 
Be sure and check out Nick's Panthers videos on YouTube. You can search for him there by looking up Big Nick 2700. My thanks to Darren Gant for taking part in the program this week. Check out Darren's work online and in print in the Charlotte Observer and the Rock Hill Herald. Hey, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter. All you have to do is go to catcraveradio.com. When you're there, just click on the newsletter link. It's right at the top of the page. You fill out the quick and easy form, and you'll be signed up. It is extremely, extremely quick. We'll keep you updated on the show, on the guests we're going to have, basically what we have going on and what the team has going on. Again, go to catcraveradio.com, click on the newsletter link, and fill out the form, and you'll be signed up for the newsletter. Well, we've been having a few issues with iTunes, as we've told you before. Still having them. Bear with us. We apologize for those problems. And we're working to correct this and should have it corrected very soon. So hang in there with us. And follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash catcraveradio. If you give us a follow, yes, we promise we will return the favor and follow you back. And like we've said several times during the show, feel free to give us a call. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial 206-350-9673. Leave us a message. That way we can hear your opinions. And everybody else can hear your opinions. We'll play them back right here on the show. Call the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. I'm John White. Thanks again for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks again for listening to Cat Crave Radio, a proud member of the Fan-Sided Network. Check out CatCraveRadio.com for our complete archive of interviews, commentary, and analysis. The CCR crew will gather again next week to bring you another fresh episode. All material, copyright 2010, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer for the Panthers in our grand old name.